Welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Mulciar today, joined by Tim, the Freedom Variant O'Connor. Kevin, I felt like I uh, disappointed you last week when I didn't have a fresh conspiracy. So this week, okay. I, I brought three, bro. Government schools, they're, they're not really working. <sighs> January, I mean, Kevin, was not an insurrection, and Canadian smugness is thanks to the U.S. military. Those are just conspiracies. All right. That I want to work. So, so, so lightning round conspiracy addressing number one, the data backs that up. You you might be right on that. I don't okay. think it's conspiracy. Number two. I mean, it kind of sounds like an opinion, but you know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, number three. I don't know. Maybe show, show me the evidence to, you know, it's, it, it's actually obviously an opinion, but well, let's, let's be honest. Number three, I mean, you, you're applying like cause causation, right? You yeah. Know, it's, I, I, I do. Yeah. I'm implying causation for sure. Like, I, Canadian smugness directly correlates to the proximity to the U.S. military. Let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you have, you have to you have to play that one out for me. I, I don't I'm, know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm no. a conspiracy theorist. Do I really have to? I can just say it, and then maybe later I'll, I'll it would just uh, distrust you, like we trust the scientists who tell us that yeah. uh, steaks cooked in the microwave are better. Yeah, trust the science, uh, bro. That's it. Trust the science. <laughs> you know, I did see your tweet on that. I was like, ah, oh, man, he's got a point there. <laughs> what? Don't don't trust the science on uh the the people saying uh steaks are better than the microwave. That's just no, that's just crazy. That was crazy. Nope, that's uh incorrect. I actually read the whole article and and like I'll be honest, like I, there's a point. Like if I wanted to, you know, if there's a point I wanted to make, like there's something reasonable about it like what he's saying but i think we should say, save this kind of wild information for the show we shouldn't just dump it all into the pre-show or it could be either the show or the post-show well perhaps yes. i might be doing the post-show we, we talk about steaks although i i did watch a there was a um was one of those youtube like cooking channels and they they decide to like try every single possible way of cooking a steak yeah uh and then like eat them you know so like Okay, we're gonna do a microwave steak, and we're gonna do a boiled steak, and we're gonna do, ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh. you know, and then steak cooked like, uh, like directly on a fire, or you know, sous vide steak, or oh, yeah, there there could be problems with that. Um, hey, probably before we get into the show, um, shout out to our friend John Barron who's recovering um from a recent surgery. He's a pretty tough guy, um, pretty determined, so I think he's gonna be okay, but. I'm sure he's in a lot of pain. I hope he's checking out the show tonight. Hope you feel better, pal. Yeah, we're, we're thinking of you, John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, suppose we should get started. Uh, appreciate all the folks joining us. Uh, we're going to be going live in 10 seconds. Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson today, joined by Tim, the Freedom Barry O'Connor. I'm here, Kevin. How are you, brother? Oh, good. 
living the dream, Tim. Living the dream. That's what I like to hear. That's it. Yeah. How about you, Tim? Yeah. I'm good. It's cold out, man. I work outside. It's, it's cold out. It's brutal. I'm tired. But I'm here, man, and I'm ready for our show. Yeah. Uh... Beginning of winter. It's a it's a rough time for those outdoor jobs. Yeah, listen, check this out. The radio the radio audience might or might not appreciate this, but I'm working kind of out in the middle of nowhere at this big manufacturing facility, and I'm climbing down off a scaffolding, and like seven miniature bulldog looking pugs come running up and charge me. Like we're on like a hundred acres. Seven of the cutest little dogs just kind of come up and assault me. It was absolutely hilarious. So I don't know. I thought I'd share <laughs> that with great. everybody. It was just. I don't know. One of those weird things that happens every once in a while. Trouble, but weren't expecting that one. That's Surprise attack. That's. I, I, I'm like, what? Honestly, I was a little bit afraid. Like, was it a pack of rabid dogs? We're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and they just kind of yeah. run up and are barking at me. And that, then I realize they're kind of all little tiny dogs. And I'm just like, where in the world did they come from? It must have been somebody that worked at the plant or perhaps one of the truck drivers delivering some goods had a bunch of dogs in this truck. I don't know, but it was weird. I posted a picture of it on Twitter. They kind of circled the whole place and I don't know, running around yapping, little yip yip dogs running around yipping. It was great. It was just made my day yesterday. That's amazing. All right. So we do have a few topics to talk about besides the, uh, the surprise dogs from Tim. Uh, we got the uh, we got a libertarian who is elected president, not of the U.S. Uh, of Argentina, Javier Malay. We're we're gonna talk about him. We're gonna talk about some uh, stuff that Governor Hochul was discussing in terms of yeah, well, that, that helping point. to identify fake news and conspiracy theories and things like that. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get to some Rochester news about the Police Accountability Board. Uh, and a few other things too that maybe some Elon Musk stuff. We'll talk about that if we get to it. Who knows? You know, you know, y'all know how the end of the show goes. It's all the weird stuff goes in towards the end and or the podcast. So if you're listening on WYSL, of course, make sure you look for the podcast where we oftentimes go for another 40, 50 minutes afterwards talking about other random things. Yeah. And uh, so either find us on the podcast or listen live like our folks here on youtube on facebook on twitter where you can leave your comments participate in the show things like that but all right let, let's jump into it tim what's going on in argentina well kevin just out of nowhere they well first of all what has been going on in argentina is decades worth of poverty based on a, a crumbling financial system and an increasingly authoritarian and compassionate government that was growing like amazon okay so the currency was constantly being devalued. They were simply printing money. Like 300% inflation in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Like crazy it's numbers. Like wild numbers. Yeah. So they get this TV guy, this TV economic economist, like, like me and you, Kevin, you know, just a guy talking about economics, but a bit more fiery. Um, some people have likened him to Donald Trump, but he's, he's basically an anacro capitalist. He's like, hey, if you want to sell a kidney, sell a kidney. Like he's that kind of guy, you know, like you you want to build a road, you build a road. Well, you know, you put up a toll, like let's do this. Let's, like he hasn't gone quite that far, but he is saying there is room to privatize a lot of services that the government are offering. He is talking about slashing 
slashing the Argentinian government. I mean, and, and- literally, he said he should take a chainsaw to the government and held a chainsaw over his head. Yeah, he's he's That's- a bit theatrical. I I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a bit of showmanship to it. You know, you know. for sure. It's uh, uh, he he. You know, and, and he does talk about like in addition to like the the showmanship side, he, he talks about you know, uh, eliminating agencies, and he had he had a video out where he's like, all right, this agency is gonna go, and this agency is gonna go, and this agency is gonna go, and we we had talked about this guy on the show before too, because uh, yeah. there there's a runoff election that had to happen, yeah, um, and so he he ended up winning, he he won the election, and uh, Argentina, yes. Has chosen to go in at least at, at this level a much more libertarian direction. That the 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 rest of the legislature isn't quite there yet. Um, sure, he's, sure. He's only going to have a handful of uh, seats in the party in the in the um, the legislature to be able to help him out with some of these changes. Um, or he's going to have to find some compromises or hope people move over, seeing the the wind shifting. Um, but you know, it's 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 interesting and exciting, and hopefully, like. The showmanship isn't like all there is to it, right? And I say that because, like, as you kind of mentioned earlier, people kind of compared him to Trump, right? Like, I think Washington Post called him a Trump-like libertarian, and, and a lot of libertarians like were like, "Whoa, whoa, hey, no, Trump libertarians nothing to do with each other. Like, those aren't things at all." I, it's fair. I think the way that. I took it was that it's fair to draw that distinction, like Trump. Yeah, is which is true. Trump, Trump is not is not a libertarian. He's like, he, not. even if folks like him, that he's he's not a libertarian. At all, at all, at all, like not, not even a little bit, um, and like even the libertarian things he did almost felt like either on accident or out of spite. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. They were definitely accidental. Some were spiteful, and the things that he promised that were libertarian, like you know, arguably fiscal restraint is libertarian. Yeah. Trump did not meet any sense of fiscal restraint everybody i think he, he, he ran on like oh yeah we're gonna cut the deficit in half in like two years i'm gonna get done we're gonna eliminate it and now it's it's all, yeah. all bluster and and so people people see kind of that like that bluster the you know maybe uh outlandish rhetoric the the showmanship uh sometimes like the jabbing that goes on with, with this guy down in argentina and like oh that's trump-like behavior by which i mean again not the policy hopefully but like the theatrics um, and the aggressiveness in which this guy, you know, approaches politics, right? He has said some uh, amazing things publicly that occasionally, if you guys stick around for the after show and Tim gets on one of his rants, I'll come close to what this guy said. But even <laughs> I, like three beers in, don't go that far. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there, there's some of it, it's like, it, it's, a, it's a bit crass, <laughs> some <say>. of it. <laughs> Uh, and you know, like it, it certainly makes a point and, and actually to that end, I, I think there, there's a bunch of libertarians out there who are like, see, we can do edgy messaging and it can work. I'm like, well, look, it's, it, it might not work for two reasons. Like it works for this guy because a Argentina is such a mess. Yeah. They're desperately looking for something different. Like as bad as New York state is and, and, and the U S generally can seem at times, it is not we are not 300 percent inflation it's, it's not great what we have is not great it hurts families like and we've talked about like inflation sure. and the economy and also it's not like the level of inflation the level of unemployment the level of economic dysfunction the level of control that exists in argentina is like very extreme and people are pivoting the other way and he was like the only voice real like 
that was seriously advocating for a radical shift in the other direction, right? So that works for him too. I mean, Frank, frankly, like his, his edginess, he's he's cool enough to pull it off. Not everyone is. Like, it's just, it's a personality thing. Like, there's some people, like, I, I, I hate to be mean about it, but there are a lot of libertarians who are edgy but are not cool enough to pull it off. My, myself included. Like, I'm not that guy. No, I'm I'm edgy, but I'm not that cool either. And I try. And I try to be funny. And I, I really enjoy doing this show. And I really enjoy those times where I think I make you laugh and I make our our, our friends laugh. Like, I really enjoy that. But this guy has kind of got a, a, a live wire. And I think yeah. your point about Argentina, you know, being like a complete disaster as compared to the United States where we're experiencing some systemic problems um, that are real and that yeah. we're, we're doing them slower, but we're hurting as many people. And we, we, uh, we did with the COVID lockdowns, we contributed to an increase in poverty in the world. And I think that that's contributing to the violence in the yeah. world. And that that's, these things are real. Um, but this guy has a real knack for just spitting it out there and making people laugh and yeah. go, Oh my God. And, do we have a path out of this? And he, he's saying, yeah, we do, you know? Yeah. In that case, they, they've, you know, he's, he's shocked Argentina out of like the, the socialist spiral uh, that they found themselves in for the last, you know, 20 some odd years. Um, and because again, our Argentina, like, just keep in mind, like, you know, like reading up on it a bit and, and kind of knowing a little bit about it. like they, they, they are a, a resource rich country. They have been like, at so at several points in history, they have been like wealthier than like France and Germany. Like it's it's not like a country that has nothing going on. It's like it's it's big. There's a there's a robust or has been historically a robust economy, robust trade networks. Like it's like you know there there there's there's a pretty legitimate thing happening there in the past. But like Venezuela, they have done an incredible job of squandering that. <laughs> I mean, you. We we can't overstate that. Like when when the government becomes purely parasitic, the the, the issues are real. They they went too far, right? They they yeah. Venezuela is even worse. But what what well, at yeah. least? But but like yeah, the, like these are like wealthy, successful countries that had high standards of living. Like at times, like comparable, if not like exceeding chunks of the United States. Yeah, yeah. And they ruined it. It's the socialists ruined it. I mean, socialist, know, socialism, parasito. Like it, it, you know, that's my my tribute to Javier there. But there's a parasitic function that government brings out. And and it has to be curbed and put in check. And frankly, let's see how it goes. Now, one of the things that I do like about his messaging is it is bold and it is brash. And you're right that we may not be cool enough and our problems may not be bad enough to make that work. But also, I think that there are times where bold, brash, humorous messaging is is important and i i think that we're going to get some of that in this upcoming election cycle i think that you and i do a pretty good job of staying bold and brash but remaining pragmatic but i think there's a time for for like hey look biden and trump that's literally the best we can do and they're both literally offering us the same thing biden has continued so many of trump's policies including devaluing and spending so much money that we don't know what to do with um so I don't know, Kevin, like, is, is, can it work? Can bold messaging save the Libertarian Party? And, and we've got guys out there offering bold, bold messaging. 
Josh Smith, for example, Michael Reckonwald, for example, like Oh boy, no, not uh, not that guy. Which one? No, nope. well, that no, guy, Michael. Well, both of them. No, both of them. Not they're my favorite nope. so far. I will literally leave the party if either one of them ends up being oh the president. No. They're so no, no. They, but, but Michael Rechtenwald, like, oh, the the Jews are canceling me. That guy. He didn't say the Jews yeah. are canceling me. Ah, uh, he did. He did not. We'll he did that out. Well, you and I will have to fight over that. Other yeah, day. no, we'll, we'll maybe we'll talk about that. That's that's see, folks, that's usually the stuff we talk about after the show, <laughs> after the radio show. So WISL audience, maybe we'll get there around uh, around to that thing. No, I like, yeah, I, I get like, like the the level of bold messaging that I'm comfortable with. Are, I like either like the pragmatic, like bold and sometimes you know fun stuff that Larry Sharp puts out, or like the fun stuff that Spike Cohen puts out, like. I, I I like I like what he does, right? Sure, like sure. he can make things fun and also be able to pivot back to like, and here's a serious issue. While also like making jokes and having fun and like drawing attention to serious matters, like that. Like to me, like he's on that spectrum of things. Like he's like the the best we got. But you know, it's yeah. uh, yeah. I, I don't I, I don't I don't know that same. And again, like my 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 thing about this is like. Again, not everyone can pull it off. Being bold in and of itself, uh, or being edgy in and of itself, isn't enough to win you converts, right? And I've, I, you and I have kind of debated this, like, okay, like just because you say something controversial that gets people talking about you, does not mean you have advanced the cause. The LP, and LP, the New Hampshire strategy. Y- yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it is. And like again, what what this guy has done, and and. and many cases is like the boldness of what he does is again he he makes it theatrical of like again he's going to cut government he talks about um you know like literally he's like pulling apart like okay we're, we're gonna cut all these agencies and that's like shocking in and of itself like what do you mean you're just gonna cut agencies like you're just gonna you're gonna do that no like they need to chalk themselves out of like the the stupor that they've been in for decades um and like that in and of itself um, is enough to like be controversial, but it advances the point. It advances liberty. Uh, it's not a distraction to the fundamental point of advancing the cause. And, and I think sometimes some of the, the the bold messaging that comes out of the in, I know people can't see my air quotes in uh, on Radio yeah. Land, but uh, the, the bold messaging that comes out of like the Libertarian Party sometimes misses the mark in that. It is controversial without framing it in a way that people understand how what they want to do is advance liberty and improve their lives. Okay, I I, I think that's fair. I do like your approach to a lot of things. We 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 both tend to move in a pragmatic vein, so I I respect what you're saying there. Um, as you know, I, I've enjoyed some of LPNH's tirades. Um, I do enjoy bold messaging and I do enjoy like the, the the libertarian party's anti-war stances. Like they've been very good down the road and they got smeared with some Russian propaganda and they got accused of collaborating with Russian operatives. And I just don't think that that was, was fair. So I don't know, you know, like when we get back around to it, where would you go, Kevin? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Anywhere he says, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, not that. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I say it, I, I don't I, I I get like the need to kind of like break out of the mold. I get the need to like draw attention. Like that is that is a necessity. It is. Um, just not not everything does that in a construction uh, in constructive way. And I so said my point is like that. So people like Spike Cohen have been better at drawing attention to these things in a constructive way, and that that I can appreciate. He, he's been amazing. He's had some big successes. He's worked really hard. He's built a community. Um, he, he, you're right. Like he has done some great things and he's keeping himself in the news. I, I, yeah. But he says he's not running for president. I, I know. And, and again, some of that is like you could be an effective activist and like advance the cultural cause of liberty without running for office. Um that's that's fine and like that's that's kind of what we're trying to do here neither of us are running for office right now yeah. we're trying to advance the the kind of cultural and intellectual cause of liberty by you know having a radio show that hopefully the folks are listening to and enjoying yeah um and you know he he's doing his his own version of that through activism and social engagement uh and then a way to do that too is by running for office too like you can run like it's it's a bit different like if you're a podcaster who's doing this stuff you know like 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 josh for instance um okay like that that's your thing and you're connecting with your audience and maybe you're advancing liberty in your own way it's it's a bit different when you're like okay now i am putting myself in a position where Although unlikely, like I could be running the country, I think people have a different set of expectations around like what that's going to mean if you are actually elected to that position or running for Congress or even running for town council. Right. Like that's that's kind of my philosophy and like pro liberty candidates, whether you're Republican or libertarian or whatever, like running for office is that like. It's a risky strategy and rarely, if ever works to just say, like, well, cut everything. And I know that worked for Javier Malay, but yeah. like. Most of the time, people want to like, okay, like, what's this like actually going to do to our lives? And unless your country is so, so messed up that literally any alternative is going to work, most of the time, just being, oh, cut it, and like, we're not going to worry about what happens later. And again, this guy, Javier Malay, is, is also made like cases for here's why it's going to make you better, right? He does the theatrical stuff and then reinforces it yeah. because he's he's an economist and he educates people on like. Mises and he educates people on Hayek and he educates people on free markets. Like, so like there's that, that reinforcing element of like, here's a fun thing to get your attention, but also like for real, this is how it's going to make your life better. All right. All right. He, they, he, he's been painted kind of viciously in, in, in the mainstream oh, yeah, far right as a far right libertarian. Maybe we'll talk more about that after the, the break. I don't know. Yeah, no, I know we're, we're running up. We are running up on time. As you said, we, we got like maybe like 30 seconds left. So when we come back uh, here on the free solution on WY, so we're, we're going to talk maybe a couple more minutes about what's going on in Argentina. And, you know, I know we kind of went on a tangent about like libertarian like strategy a bit. Sorry about that, folks. But hopefully you, you enjoyed it. Got a little insight there. Um, and uh, we'll be back to talk about that and maybe Governor Hopeful stuff. Talk to you in a few minutes. Governor Hochul is a train wreck. <laughs> Just a train wreck. That's bro. A, a, a evergreen statement. Yeah. Tim. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, hey, homeschooling is exploding, Kevin, and we're, we're, you know, which is fine. That's fine. They can bankrupt themselves. That's great. They're going to take a lot of us down with them, though. 
Yeah, that's the problem. I don't know. I'd say I'm gonna have like a because uh, like what 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 she says in theory to me is a good thing. Uh, in practice, uh, we'll see how it ends up. That's yeah. We'll talk about it during the show because they'll they'll, they'll plug in the they'll fill in the gaps. They'll they'll presuppose everything into the the minds of the kids. They're not they're not talking about them teaching them to be rational thinkers, which would eventually lead them to some sort of libertarianism. Like it's, it's yeah. going to be, they're, they're going to present the sides as this side is right. That side is wrong. And we're the side, you know, in power. So when you're old enough to vote, you'll vote for us. Like that's how it's going to go. <laughs> uh, you know, the, one of the songs that uh, I used to, to love playing, there's, um, Oh my god, who who's that that folk singer? Uh it's a guy. There's there's a song about like what I what I learned in school today. Pete Seeger. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I forgot Pete Seeger. Like we can't like every time I like every time I've tried to play like any basically any music on, on Facebook, YouTube, etc. Um like our our stuff gets shut down. So like we can't play a song, but I love being like there's a part of me that I love being on like um like one of the smaller stations. Well, and we could do this if we were just playing it on WYSL, but not on uh Oh, okay. We can't do it on um online the streaming services because but but playing that song, what did you learn in school today, dear little boy of mine? Do you know that song? I've heard it, I think. You probably have to sing it, a couple but... more sing a couple more stanzas. <laughs> I learned our government is not so bad, and it's the best we've ever had. Oh, my God, no. No, I've never yeah. heard that song. I hope my kids have never heard it. Yeah, no, it, no it's it's great. Um, you know, learned that Washington never told a lie. And, uh, oops. Okay. It's okay. I learned that soldiers seldom die. I learned that everybody's free, and that's what the teacher said to me. That's what I learned in school today. That's what I learned in school. Oh, so he's being a little sarcastic then, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, right. all right. I thought it was... I mean, he's got a line like about like police, too. He's like, learn that policemen are my friends. I learned that justice never ends. I learned that murderers die for their crimes, even if they make a mistake sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, uh, and then verse three is, I learned our government must be strong. It's always right and never wrong. Our leaders are the finest men, and we elect them again and again. Oh my God! What did you learn in school today? That's a good, yeah. yeah it's, it's a great song. It, John, I know Pete was a socialist. John, on not all but socialists listen, are bad. No, he is. I like so. so I, I get like I, I'm not. I'm not endorsing Pete Seeger's politics. I'm just saying that it's a good. What did you learn in school today? Is a banger. Is all. Is all I'm saying. Like, check it out. It's it's a good song. Um. Uh, so I was gonna say Pete Seeger, and I never get those things right. Shelly, you had it right. Shelly on YouTube used to used to sauna with him, huh? What? <laughs> what? Right on. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pete Seeger tangent aside. I uh, hope you enjoyed my lyrics. Uh, I got the nice microphone for it. You do, and um, you sing like a a singer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's that. That, that's that. That is. I legitimately is like one of my favorite folk songs. Uh, just because it, it's it's fun. It's sarcastic. It mocks the government and like school indoctrination. Um, and it's you know decades old. So Beautiful. it's a good one. 
Um, anyway, we should probably go back to the main show in a minute or so. And and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the conversation about Javier Malay and Argentina, things like that. And uh, then we'll we'll talk about some New York State stuff. All right. Kathy Hochul. Yeah. Kathy Hochul, one of our, our favorite evergreen. Evergreen. She makes practically uh, every show. Politicians. Oh, What's that? She makes practically every show. She does. Uh, she always, man, what would we do without her? She's always giving us stuff to talk about. All right. Let's head back in three, two. A free solution. Back to a Kevin's today, joined by Tim the Freedom Barry O'Connor. I'm still here, Kevin, and and once again, our benevolent authoritarian leader of this state, leader of the free world, has directed homeland security. Hold <laughs> up, now, I, first of all, I'm not sure how that works, but like, how does the governor of New York State get to direct homeland? But she's directing. Well, there, there's like a a New York State. Homeland Same. Security is that okay? All right, we've got our own Homeland Security. That's that's even better news if you think about it. But anyways, she's directed them to come up with a. I, I can only think of it as a, a a teaching pod where the school system, the government educational system, is is going to help kids discern online hate speech, misinformation, and disinformation. Kids are going to be able to spot this stuff after this class. Just like that. It's magic. Yeah. No, uh, that's like the idea that her, her frame course, you know, tools to spot conspiracy theories and misinformation, disinformation, online hate. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll, uh, maybe I'll play a little bit. This is like a, a tweet. Today I'm directing the director of division of Homeland security and emergency services to develop media literacy tools for K through 12 in our public schools. This will teach students and even teachers to help understand how to spot conspiracy theories and misinformation, disinformation and online hate. Start talking about what we're seeing out there. Give the teachers the tools they need to help these conversations in school. So Tim, are you excited that students are going to have new ways of identifying conspiracies for you to talk about them with? I am I am actually terrified by this because honestly, Kevin, one of the things when I grew up, one of the things I had teachers teach me was to, to take a look at advertising and take a look at news and take a look at like, hey, here's communist propaganda, what might be wrong with it? And we'd have to kind of formulate a response and and you know, when you think about like extra clean, super tied and, and how, you know, how we can can take our own brain, examine claims being presented, break them down and explore them on our own. Now, I just I've got this feeling I've got this horrible feeling that that is not the goal here. Yeah. And and I tend to agree with you. Like it's like your experience of like learning that school, learning that like you know, online or through family, you know, like wherever you're learning that that ability to think critically about a story being presented to you is like essential to a free society. And a lot of like arguments around like maybe we need to center speech or to, to, to censor speech 
are centered around, well, people can't do that effectively, right? So because they can't do it effectively, we have to keep this misinformation like out of the public's hands by shutting down Twitter, starting down Facebook. So having those critical thinking skills and, and including learning that in school, I think is important, right? Like you need to be able to think like, when is this like story presented to me shaky on facts? How do I learn about the evidence backing up the claims made in a story? How do I research for reliable sources to understand like what's really going on? Uh, can I understand a, a story or a point of view without like internalizing it? Like, which yes, you can. Like, I think many of the folks listening to the show can, can read something, understand the point of view that they're making. And then also think like, well, some parts of their argument might not be backed up by facts. And like, I should be skeptical of this. And then you should be skeptical of when, of any politicians, like when governor Hochul makes claims, anytime she talks about the second amendment, half the time she talks about like free markets, like when she's talking about this stuff, like, yeah, you should be skeptical of this stuff. You should think critically are the claims that she's making around these policies true. What evidence is there to back it up? But the direction you were going was, is that, is that what's going to happen here? And, uh, I, look, we have narratives, right? That 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 bribing big businesses to come here at the expense of our our the residents in our state, and at the expense of businesses that have been here for decades, right? For us to carry new businesses on our back to pretend that that is a a net positive, is is any kind of level of critical thinking can see hundreds of problems with it, and they just say things like, well. For every manufacturing job, there's five support jobs in the community. So therefore, this is a good idea regardless of the cost. And they're not going to be getting into those kinds of critical thinking situations. They're going to be, well, how do you figure out if somebody's telling you the truth? And they're going to be like, ask a trusted source like your teacher. You know what I mean? Like that. Right. Yeah. That's it, and, and actually, like that, like that's like the most like generous way you could put it to because like that's where our word go it, it wouldn't even be like nakedly partisan or anything right it wouldn't be like you can only trust democrats or something like, i don't think it would, it would th sure. be that appeal to authority right like if you're not sure ask a teacher ask uh like look at government resources which sometimes can be truthful but aren't always right you know <laughs> Like data can be manipulated in all sorts of ways. And it's worth like thinking critically about like when the Biden administration puts out like something related to like jobs numbers and then like spins it uh, like the economy as like, hey, everything's great. And, you know, this is Bidenomics and everything's awesome. Like, can you think critically about that? OK, but why do so many people say that the economy is not great right now? Oh. Is it is it just that everyone's like mired in negative partisanship or is there something else going on that we haven't considered what other evidence is available vast right-wing conspiracy kevin right. vast right-wing yeah it just gets dismissed as like ah it's just like a bunch of unhappy republicans no it's it's maybe maybe it's deeper than that uh and so like that's that's where it is like i i would worry like what would end up happening here is like it, it ends up educating students to be skeptical of like conservative and libertarian narratives um in not educating them on ways to think critically about claims made from various resources from different news outlets both you know the the, the national news outlets uh like at cbs news types of things down to like a local blogger like can you think critically about both those things and it can't just be 
oh, one's a professional and one's not, right? That's if you're teaching logical just, fallacies, just which I, you know, I learned in school too. Like if you're, that's, you know, um, gosh, it's a, a, like an appeal to experience. Is that the one I'm thinking of? But it's, it, the point is, it's a logical it's fallacy, right? Appeal, appeal to right. authority. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, someone's been a journalist for 30 that. years. So you can trust what Dan Rather says, uh, you, you know, like, right. No, that's, that's or, not, or that's not a good enough. What's yeah, that? We got to go with the Nobel Prize winning economist or a, a right. former State Department economist. And then you would get your answers about the economy from Robert Reich and Paul Krugman. OK, like these guys are paid agitprop, right? Like they they say whatever the administration wants them to say and and they're, they're get, they get accolades for it. And it's a real problem. Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, honestly, like every media outlet like does this sort of thing. It's like, okay, we've brought this person on who's a three-star general. And that's, again, setting you up to think like, oh, this is a person who is a military expert. They are, they are retired. They they understand the military, blah, 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 right? Yeah. That might be true. They might be coming in with a lot of experience and knowledge. But then if they're like, and that's why I recommend launching all the nukes now. Okay, you know, like you better have a real good argument for that, man, because like I'm coming in pretty skeptical, but like just their their position, their experience, their authority is not enough to win an argument, right? And so, you know, I, I think like both the, you you and I are like probably pretty similar in how we approach like media literacy and it's just like, okay, what's you know, how do how do I how do I know I can trust something? And I know you 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 know jump on some of the conspiracy you. stuff <laughs> yeah. well no no like it, it depends like you and i have like different like types of trust though right because like i'm i'm more likely to not reflexively say like whatever coming out of the government is untrue because I'll, I'll see something and i'll be like that seems like a bold claim where's the evidence of that and i'm gonna go and look for it right and you're like i'm gonna save myself some time <laughs> and just assume it's untrue correct and like you know I'd probably be happier if I just did what you did. Cause like I come to the same conclusion all the time. <laughs> no, I know. And look, there is a lifetime of experience here. And there was, there was a time in my life where I, I have some guilt. Like there was a time where I thought exporting democracy at the point of a gun was a good idea. Right? Like I was a neocon who thought that the United States could do no wrong. And that the fact that we could fight wars on seven different fronts was actually a good thing and that even war being good for the economy as soulless as that made me feel that even then was still a reality and now when i look at it and i realize that everything is you you grow you learn and you critically think your way through these things the reality is is that war destroys wealth the wealth of other nations the wealth of our nations that that so I, I don't want to belabor the broken windows fallacy and war. And so, but I got my anti-war speech in today, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's uh, good. Good for every episode of a free solution. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So again, just, just jumping back quickly in the, the media literacy stuff, Um, you know, get out when I, when I read, like, like, I remember reading about like the ivermectin stuff, right? I was like, okay. Essentially, claim all the experts are claiming this doesn't work. Um, what what actual evidence is there? Uh, you know, that's like I want to I want to dig through it, and and I know that like in, in the in the world of politics, that's tough uh, because like you want to like label everything like immediately, either like 
misinformation or you want to like hold it up as like true or not true based on that. And, and that's how social media ended up regulating a lot of this stuff, right? Like, and it ended up being like any discussion of like mass, maybe like not being effective, like was banned on social media. And, you know, I was, I was skeptical of that stuff, but like, I was like, man, there's no way this is ridiculous to like ban any like discussion of like, well, maybe like masks aren't effective in all situations. Right. I remember stuff getting like shut down or, shutting down conversations around like hey there's a possibility that maybe covid leaked from like the wuhan like labs right right and, and like like misinformation shut it down don't talk about it and again that that stems back to people have so little media like the assumption on the part of like uh, folks at facebook uh politicians uh that that people have so little media literacy that they can't like be trusted with allowing a different point of view but in their arrogance they ended up shutting down points of view that may have been correct and seem likely in fact to be correct I, I would in, they, in several of these cases yeah at the very least max masks mask mandates were not effective period yeah and you and i have talked like okay you know, you want me to wear a mask going into a nursing home when there's 200 old people? I'm going to wear a mask. I get it, right? But, like, yeah, mask mandates, closing schools, these are things that people are saying, hey, you know, the, the, the data isn't backing this stuff up. And they went ahead yeah. out of the weirdest metric of all, out of an abundance of caution. And I, I, so then you get to the point where I'm like, well, they just did it to like destroy the economy. And I know that sounds crazy. Right. Or they just did it to yeah. exert control. And I also know that sounds crazy, but like they went too far, they went too fast and, and they basically increased the net poverty it, it, throughout the world. And that, that is frustrating. Yeah. So, no, it, it is like the, the, the effects were devastating. Right. And, and again, that comes back to like, Okay, we need people to uh, be able to identify misinformation, but like the policies that the health experts were pushing in some cases, again, like even the like the the in the beginning, the confusing like don't wear a mask. Like remember, like the first like yeah. month of yeah, COVID, they're like don't wear a mask because, you know, it's not going to do anything. And really, they're like it ended up being a noble lie so they could save masks and and divert them to like healthcare workers, right? Like that's what they ended up that's coming out a couple said. months later. I mean, why do you they say that right? part of it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but like it's one of those things where like, okay, like what is it? And like why shouldn't I be skeptical of like public health authorities when they've gone back and, and changed their mind on stuff, right? Or and not even that they've changed their mind, because changing your mind is fine. But when they've done things that have been draconian and accuse people who are skeptical of either one of their narratives of wanting to kill people and therefore their access to social media and in some cases like not necessarily here in the united states but in, in some cases like uh losing your actual freedom or losing your job right which did happen in in some cases in the u.s like that's the type of dangerous like cultural consequences and, and actual like substantial consequences that can come from taking the long wrong lessons around teaching media literacy so when Governor Hochul does this, that's something we should watch out for, right? Like, what is what does she mean? What does New York State mean by media literacy? Um, and and hopefully it teaches actual critical thinking skills and not just a deference to authority. Yeah, sure. So basically, guys, just so you know, I already checked with my seventeen year old to see if he's gotten any information on how to discern, you know, 
information from disinformation from misinformation and online hate speech and we haven't started spending money on it yet so he, he's probably going to be out of the system before they enact this so i'm kind of happy about that and homeschooling guys is uh you know exploding so yeah no and a lot of reasons for that but anyway we are coming up on our break thanks again for joining us here on a free solution we're gonna be back in just a few minutes talk to you soon All right, there, there he is. Let me show this comment. John John Barron says, "Who created the toilet paper scare?" I don't know. Was there a shortage because they were making all the masks for us? I, I I don't know, but it was right at the peak of my owning a a vacation rental house, and I had like I don't know sixty rolls of toilet paper there, so I was solid. Like I had all the toilet right. paper I needed. Wait, wait, did you do that like mid toilet paper panic, or would you, did you just like happen to have stocked up? Well, the the bastards, Kevin, shut down my vacation <laughs> rental, right? So I'm like, what am I gonna do with all this toilet paper? And then like, I I sold it on eBay, you know, like six bucks a roll. Hey, no, smart, I smart. I didn't, but I could have. I had so much toilet I paper, I didn't even know what to do with it. I'd like so, eight cans of Lysol. I was just like, I'm I'm all set, man. This is good. So, so I've talked about this on the show before, but like we we did like the panic buying like a month and a half early. Oh, nice. Right. And, and so the reason why is like my wife had read this book uh, called Station Eleven. Right. Which is like it's like a book about like a, a much more serious pandemic, like like 80 percent fatality rate pandemic. Right. Okay. She's just like, oh, man, that's so crazy. And like I just freaking me out and I don't like it. And like I heard about this virus going around China and I'm like. Nah, like nothing like that could be that bad. It's not, like it's not gonna work. And I was just like, That's, you know, you're you're freaking yourself out over nothing. She's like, all right, well, just like, can we like go and like stock up on stuff? Like, what if like we get quarantined for like a month, like in this book, and like you know, we we have to just survive on the food in the house. Like, all right, you know, we should like. I, I feel like I've been like slacking on my prep and stuff. Like our, you know, let's let's fill up our basement. Let's get some stuff. So we bought like a bunch of toilet paper, paper towels, like canned goods, all this stuff. And then, like, as soon as everything shut down, she's like, see, I told you so. I told you. I, I called it. I knew this pandemic was going to happen. I felt it. You was right. And, like, we we're ready. And I was like, you know what? All right. That's fair. She, she and we ended up giving away, like, half our toilet paper because there's a bunch of, like, coworkers who, like, I can't buy. To there's none in Wegmans. There's none in Walmart. There's none in Costco. Like, yeah. Hey, hey, John, thanks thanks for joining us. Kevin and I were talking about you earlier in the show. Uh, hope you're feeling better. Hope you stay after it, man. Uh, mm -hmm. Hope everything works because that's that's what you deserve, right? That's that's going to be good stuff. Yeah, man. Hope you're doing good. Um, anyway, so, all right. What are we going to talk about for the last topic, Tim? What we got? Well, I talk about PAB or you want to talk about uh, Musk? I have um, I have a couple random things. We should probably talk about Musk a little bit and and then offer to do a deeper dive on it on a different show. But he's going to sue Media Matters anyway. Um, yeah, we should... let, let, let's talk, let's talk about the Rochester thing for like a minute. Yeah, okay, yeah. do that. For... How about that? Is it we? Folks, we got we got to talk about locals, and I know several of you listening online, you're not local, but but hopefully you'll find this this topic relevant 
I think, to the I think our friends will like this topic. I think you, we've, we've discussed it a few times. I think it's important to them, the concept, and it's important to see what the government does with the concept over time, you know? Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, and, and John says he's getting better. Thank you, guys. I'm glad you're, you're, you're getting better, man. Um, all right, let's go back in five. A free solution. Welcome back to a free solution. I'm Kevin Wilson here today, joined by Tim, the Freedom Marion O'Connor. Hey, Kevin, I'm still here. And look, we, we've talked about in the past some some local issues of import. Um, you, you have a citizens advisory board in Rochester for the police how would you describe that? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's not called that, but like same concept uh, if, if folks have something similar to so a police accountability board. Um, and it, this 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 uh, came up for a vote a few years ago, passed like pretty overwhelmingly um, in the city of Rochester. And, and the idea, you know, like, it's yeah, like, like in, in theory and not I, I told folks I, I voted for it. I thought it was a good idea. I thought like, hey, there should be someone outside of the police themselves when the police are accused of misconduct that they're looking into it and hopefully providing some objective voice to say like something went wrong or didn't go wrong because people were skeptical that police officers would face any kind of discipline for misconduct when judged by other police officers who are, you know, they're trying to close ranks. They're trying to protect their friends. Like, and then I don't mean that in necessarily a pejorative way. Like it's just like how people are. Right. Sure. sure. Um, even even give no. them the benefit of the doubt, right? They still have to like if they have a, a some the the police officers a are going to give themselves the benefit of the doubt, and in a way yeah. they should. But all we're saying is a citizen, objective citizen panel should be able to take a look at these things. Now, yeah, arguably, and I know people are skeptical of it because sure. they're like, oh, it's it's only the anti police activists who are enjoying this, right. and you know, okay, fair enough. Like there there should be some. There should be some normies on there. There, you know, I, I was not necessarily requiring it, but I, I think it could be a good idea to include like police officers or former police officers or police officers who like kind of live outside the area and this type of stuff too. Absolutely, uh, yeah. To provide that point of view, I get it. And and so they they were uh, in addition to like the the board itself. There's like a staff that like has resources to go out and investigate incidents and set like provide a report and do this thing. And then the extra part of this which is the reason why we're talking about this again, is that they they wanted the ability to actually directly provide like consequences for uh, any investigation they had consequences, that, meaning things like suspensions, meaning things like dismissals, things like that. Right. So like the, this board wanted the, and in the original proposal wanted to like be able to actually discipline officers for accusations of misconduct and and what lovely warren at the time said the police union said the, the and like the kind of whole police infrastructure says like no that's not your purview to do like we are the only ones who are able to do discipline and then police accountability board advocates said well without teeth you know are any reports that we have going to fall in deaf ears and is it really providing any level of accountability if we issue findings and no one ever acts on them right Fair question. so like what and, and, and is there any like level of accountability that would go into like you know do you need to elect the new mayor to get like actual accountability for police uh if if the mayor weren't and and the the chief of police who was appointed by the mayor if they weren't uh acting on findings of 
serious misconduct by officers. So, but the, the, uh, another ruling came out this week that basically said you know, that, that they're not going to really be able to have that ability to do that, that the state legislature would need to act in order to give a separate body the ability to actually discipline officers. So, so Tim, what, what, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, the, uh, like you're, you're, you're outside of this a little bit. Sure. Um, I'm sympathetic to the job that police officers do. I've said that on shows in the past. I'm sympathetic to people wanting appropriate policing. We saw in Rochester uh, a a nine-year-old get tased because she was acting up. Um, I'm sure that there's more stories if we we search through our our memory banks of of things that don't look appropriate. And and it would be nice to have accountability. Now, of course, I'll go to the libertarian solution of, you know, let's end qualified immunity. Let's fix this with a self-correcting mechanism. Um, and then perhaps we wouldn't need a police advisory board to begin with because police would police themselves. Right. So I don't know. It, it's a it's a complicated situation. Right. Especially when we have so many layers of government involved in everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's government sure is involved in in every aspect of our lives and and shelly chimed in on youtube said albany pd has a community oversight committee for decades yeah. uh it, like, like it's it's a pretty common thing for that to happen it, it was kind of like rochester has had like various versions of this in the past and like this was meant to be like a more robust version of that like you know in, in response to I'm trying to find the, this guy's name, but like in response to incidents, like, you know, the, the guy getting pushed over in a wheelchair at a bus stop by police officers uh, with you know seemingly very little accountability. Uh, and now like incidents like, you know, what happened with Daniel Prude and, you know, again, that the, the nine-year-old girl being yeah. the little girl being pepper sprayed. Like there's stuff like that where like, I think most normal people are like, Hey, that's, that's pretty appropriate. If you can't like, control yourself and find better ways to like get a child to calm down in a, a, a frightening situation, then maybe this isn't the job for you, or at least you should face consequences for acting inappropriately in your job because every other job would have consequences for like things less serious and less traumatic than that. Um, so like in, in terms of like being able to, to, to meet out actual punishment, like I, I thought that they, they should be able to do that because that's like the, the check on, like uh, inaction that often ends up happening uh, in many police departments uh, it, with the advocacy of many police unions is that there's people do see inaction. You know, people do see like officers who are just, you know, they get a slap on the wrist, they, they you know, get desk duty for a few months and then they're back out and then they have another incident. And then another serious incident happens and then they, you know, they leave. They resign and then I go to another police department. And so like it's that sort of stuff where it's like, okay, so what better way of accountability do we have? And and Tim, as you said, like the, the better way to do that is like ending qualified immunity and like requiring insurance, right? Like to me, like you're right, we don't even like really need a police accountability board if we just require everyone to go get insurance. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like any single company, any single entity, just every individual has to be insured. And you know, like the insurance companies, they're just looking out for like, hey, are we going to 
get money off of this or are we going to lose money off of this? Right. So they're going to look at the stats. They're going to look at the behavior. They're going to study the patterns of like disciplinary action and reports and things like that. And at some point in time, someone's going to become a risk. You know, like just, just, they just turn it into cold, hard numbers. It's not a, a, a feeling. It's not a, I don't like this guy. I, you know, infusing any like racial politics into it. It's none of that stuff. It's cold, hard numbers. Yeah. This guy is going to cost us money or this woman is going to cost us money and we're not going to insure him. It kind of covers both things, right? You, you have a, an anti-police mayor who's appealing to the woke mob, or you have a pro-police mayor who's appealing to the, the, the aggressive policing mob. This this qualified immunity takes both of their political views out of the equation, right? Like, yeah, it, it, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't get like the, the the mob mentality of like, oh, we gotta like fire half the police department and defund the police and like none of that type of stuff. Like, that's that's taken out of it. Like, just just like, are they a risk? Are they likely to get sued for being like abusive again? Yeah. You know, like again, yeah, like that's it, you right? Know? And again, it's the same thing like doctors are subject to, right? Like, we don't have. We have plenty of doctors still like they're I mean, nurses are a separate matter, but right. uh, like but there are plenty of medical professionals out there and they're required to have this liability insurance. And like same thing, like it's not like the the small mistakes, you know, because doctors get sued sometimes. It's a thing that happens. And, you know, a lot of insurance companies will continue to cover people even if they're sued several times over the course of their life. But there's like a level of you're not good at your job anymore. You know, yeah. either negligence or maliciousness, right? Where insurance companies are going to say, "Nope, not at all. We can't do this anymore." And and if that's the case, then you can try for another insurance company, and maybe they'll pick you up. But if no one else will pick you up, maybe it's a good thing if no police departments hire you. Like you're too much of a risk. Yeah. You know, again, not just a risk to insurance, but if you're a risk to insurance, you're a risk to the physical health of people that you are supposed to be serving and protecting. Fair. That's fair, brother. Um, so I, I feel like we should talk about Elon Musk is making news again. Um, and originally the news started um, as Elon Musk responded to an anti-Semitic. Yes. You know, let's. Yeah. Oh, yeah sorry. I, I wasn't going to oh, interrupt you. But Shelly on YouTube that. said lawyers and accountants, uh, those professionals have insurance too. Like in business owners, they, they have insurance. For Con- contractors have insurance um yeah you know a good sized business has to have workers comp insurance there's lots of ways to protect and workers comp insurance can be very inexpensive if you have a good safety record and it can get wildly inexpensive or wildly expensive if you have a bad safety record so there insurance as much as i hate big conglomerated businesses that they they, they it has value, especially in this situation. Um, yeah. So anyway, you're, you're going to talk about uh, Elon. <laughs> Elon Musk. Elon Musk, man, making the news, suing media matters. It's one of these things where the story starts as Elon Musk responded to an anti-Semitic tweet and Apple's pulling its advertisement. And it was so much more than that, that it's ridiculous. All right. Like media matters. Which guys? Media Matters is a left-wing public publication. It's a little bit like Southern Poverty Law Center, where they started out with like right. admirable goals, and the goals have just kind of degenerated into attention-seeking and shakedowns. Right? Like, so that, of course, that's my opinion. You're free to have a different opinion, but I feel as though that's where they're at. Um, so 
they they came up with a report that's saying Elon Musk is placing Apple advertising next to white supremacist content. And it's like, that's not how the algorithm works. And so Elon's suing him. He he wants to take a stand here. I know. Uh, I mean, I saw some screenshots. It it kind of seems like there was some of that. Uh, because like the the way Twitter's advertising works now is that if you a ver if you're a verified uh Twitter user, right? Right. Um, you can monetize your content, and and you know a lot of people do this. So if you get a certain level of engagement, you're eligible to have ads shown in the replies to your tweet. Right. And so if you, you post something like anti-Semitic and a bunch of people roast you for it uh, or are joining you in uh, the, the replies to agree with that uh, sentiment, they're going to show an ad. And and I've, I've seen it all the time. Like usually it's ads for like a, you know, a stupid game or random product okay. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Apple is apparently unhappy that some of their ads are being shown in the midst of all that. Okay, so a high engagement <laughs> account can end up getting saddled with an Apple advertisement. Is that what you're saying? Right. So Exactly, right? Okay. And so if people are posting maybe content that, uh, like the, the industry term is like, that says brand unsafe, Twitter didn't have good controls for brand protection in that. So like, so like when I buy YouTube ads, for uh-huh. instance, this is the thing I do, right? Like I say, okay, there's certain con like this is for a, a children's tourist destination. There's certain content I don't want to show this ad on. Right. right. I consider that brand unsafe. I don't I don't want my client's brand associated with this type of content. So I said ban X, Y, and Z. Uh just don't show my ads there. Right. It's fine. I'm not saying YouTube should demonetize like these other folks. I'm just saying like my client doesn't want their brand associated with X, Y, and Z type of content. Okay, fair enough. Um I like where you're going. And with so this. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of what Apple did is like, hey, everywhere else we advertise, we have these tools to do this. Where we say like, hey, we we don't we don't want to be shown on, you know, the Alex Jones videos or something, right? Just not our cup of tea. We don't want to be associated with it. That's crazy. Uh, Everybody should advertise yeah. with Alex Jones. I don't know what's wrong with them. You know, like what whatever it is, right? But like, you know, weird conspiracy theories or or uh, you know, Nazi stuff or whatever, right? right. Like just hey, we don't we don't want to be associated with stuff. Uh, so please don't show our ads here. And and yeah, essentially, uh, Apple's like, okay, so we're going to be done until you guys fix this thing. That's that's how I understood it. And Elon Musk is saying, oh, the only reason Apple had this perception was because of Media Matters reporting. But like to me, like again, as as an advertising professional, like I look at this and like I kind of get where Apple's coming from. Like if I can't if I can't control where my ads are going, I'm just going to advertise elsewhere. Um, no, that look, the way you're framing it makes a lot of sense. The way that I understood it, um, as always, I kind of rush into situations. So I appreciate the way that you've, you've added a level of clarity there. Now, Elon's counter to that is that for, for media matters to get the, the screenshots that they got, they would have had to basically been doom scrolling white supremacists repeatedly um, refreshing their content to achieve the desired results, because that is not a normal operation of the algorithm. And that um, obviously there's been some some issues with Elon Musk being accused of being open to hate speech and that X is now a platform where hate speech is increasing. So, yes. And so, Tim, that's a really interesting topic to talk about. But you know what? We are at time. Oh, man. 
So we're going to have to talk about it uh, in the after show. So if you're listening on WYSL, sorry, we got to cut it off. Just constraints of time. We're going to continue this conversation. Find our podcast, find our online streaming channels. We'll keep having a discussion. But thank you so much for joining us in WYSL. We'll be back on a free solution next week. Have a hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, folks. Happy Thursday. Take care. Good night. Wearing this on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I had a couple funny freaking, uh, for last seg. I had a couple funny last segment news articles too. Yeah. yeah. Well, real quick. Well, well, I know we, we didn't get to that in the main news seg- segment, but we'll, in the main radio segment, we'll, we'll talk about those now. Cause yeah, you know, again, you folks are sticking around. We appreciate you. Yeah, we do. And we'll, we'll get to some of these comments too, but wrapping up like, uh, the, the Elon conversation too, just to, to address, to, to talk about the one point you had made, like, yeah, chances are, by the way, Elon's not wrong. Right. That to find the individual Apple ad in these conversations, they probably did have to refresh like a like a million times. Okay. Like no joke. Like the ant, it, it's it's weird because again, like I, I know how this stuff works. Cause I have to like often explain it to clients like when they like look for their ads. So like, hey, why don't I see my ad that often? All right. Like, look, there's a whole bunch of different people competing in like bidding on like ad spaces okay. right in front of you, like you're on a news website. And so like the chances of you seeing the one time out of the 600 advertisers who are bidding on that spot of us winning are not that high, even though in aggregate, these ads are going all over the place, to all sorts of people to the right audiences. Right. Right. So it's one of those things like sometimes like, well, look, I know, it might take a while to see your ad. So same thing. Like, so for this Apple folks, for those people to see, okay, you have to be in the target audience that Apple was going after. And then Apple had to win that auction to show those ads uh, to those people for the right audience over everyone else that time. Yeah. You, you probably had to refresh a few times, but that okay. doesn't mean it wasn't right. happening to other people though. Right? Like, so other people were probably just like seeing it. So, but Elon's like, so he's not wrong about that, but also like, it, it's kind of a misunderstanding of how like his own advertising platform like works. Okay. Um, which is part of the reason why people are roasting him again. I, I like, I, I think he's, I think he's just getting going to get this one wrong. Like he, he should just like taking the L and instead of taking the opportunity to improve the platform, um, just turned it to a culture war thing. Right. Which I think that he'll probably wise up and, and correct the problem that you're highlighting here. Um, so like what you're saying is brand unsafe. And if, if it's, it's a white supremacist account getting hundreds and thousands of like reactions, he, he could just, I, I guess there would be a contract problem, right? Where that guy bought a verified account and has the opportunity to monetize his situation. Like I, yeah, but but like they like buying a verified account, you're not like guaranteed to get ad revenue, right? Like you have a, a verified account. How much ad revenue have you gotten so far? Me? Yeah. Millions. 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 Tim Tim Yeah, he's he's sitting on just buckets of cash yeah, right now. You know, but you know, it's it, yeah, it's not working out for me. <laughs> no, not yet, right? So and and guys, if you're listening, go follow Tim on Twitter. Yeah, share his stuff. Like, let's let's get Tim some like Twitter uh, some X money. Yeah, I'll, um, I just need five but, million engagements over three months, and I I've gotten up to a million over three months. But like, 
Honestly, I don't even know what that means, right? Like I retweet it, it, something, I get a thousand likes or two thousand likes. I don't know, millions, yeah, yeah. <laughs> millions of pennies. I zero pennies, even all the way down to zero. Tim, Tim has no pennies from Twitter yet, but I mean, listen, it, it's a thing. But so, it, but like, there's, there's no Twitter doesn't necessarily promise you returns on that stuff, and they can set their own restrictions of like, well, if someone. I mean, because someone could say, like, I don't want to place my ads around, like, any political content. Like, they could say that, like, just here, here are these, like, keywords, like, don't show it in accounts associated with these keywords or tweets associated with these keywords. And they could just say, you know, like, if they're designing, like, an effective ad platform, they could just say, just show it in the, because Google does this with, like, display advertising. Like, it's, it's not, like, it, it's not new territory. Um and and I haven't used Twitter's ad platform in a while, so maybe this is even a thing. But like you could say, like I only want to show my ad in the context of people talking about the NFL, right? Okay. Okay. So just 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 show like in that context, like because you can run display ads the same way. It's like okay, I only want this in sports related articles, or I only want this in career growth related articles. You know, yep. they could do the same thing with Twitter. Um, so what what I'm really saying is. Uh, Elon, please hire me so I can uh, get some of that X money. And and I'm, I'm not going to grow my following. More importantly, sure. take a free solution to the moon and at the same time, concurrently, fix his existing problem with his algorithms. So you're killing two birds yeah. with one stone there, Kevin. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's a win. As the Chinese like to say, it's a win, 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 win. Wait, Michael Scott said win, win, win. <laughs> not the Chinese. You know, not the Chinese. So look, Kevin, other than this, there is there is other big news out there, believe it or not. Um, and actually, the funniest one that I ran across, Snoop Dogg is quitting smoking weed. Speaking of ads. Is he, though? <laughs> yeah, speaking of ads, that was well played. Yeah, he was fake. Hate fake news. I was gonna, I was gonna like, I was gonna share it, and I was going, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe you know he's actually quitting smoking." No, it was, it was a, uh, it was an advertisement for like, uh, like a fire pit. Yeah, like a propane powered fire pit, like no smoke. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's not, it's not propane powered. It's just like a, a smokeless fire pit. Like there, it's a thing. All right, that's cool. I'm in. You know, terrible job because I'm not remembering the name of the brand right now, it, which is is funny because like I, I've looked it up. Uh, but oh, like you can but you can buy these like smokeless fire pits now, like you know, like wood fire pits, and uh, just the way the airflow works in those, it just the the smoke doesn't like rise up and kind of hit the people around the fire like a normal fire pit does. It just burns a little bit cleaner, and the smoke gets redirected to other places. Yeah, I've got the article up, and I'm not seeing the name of the the uh, fire pit. Yeah, um, Joe says he didn't say no no gummies. That that's what everyone thought it was going to be. He thought he was going to endorse like an edible brand. Would have been a nice play, really. That would have worked really well. I was trying to work on a joke of like, do you remember how how Donald Trump told Tiger Woods like, "Hey, Tiger, you know, like just get back to playing good golf because." That's really all you can do. You know, like when his whole life was dissolving and then like his golf yeah. game was off and he was trying to save his marriage. Trump was just like, I'd give Tiger advice. And it, the advice would be play golf. That's it. That's what you do. And so like 
Trump giving Snoop that advice, like Snoop, don't quit smoking. Like, just smoke. That's what you do. That's your brain. You know what I mean? I thought that would have been great. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So, so look, Kevin. Solo I, stove was the name of it, which I think I own one of their things actually. Oh, really? But yeah, well, I, gosh, is it them? I, I, I own. I, I think it's them. Uh, I own a um, a device charger that is powered by a fire pit. It's a device charger slash like micro stove like cooker. Okay. So it's like it's like this big, right? I know if you're listening on this podcast, game it's like the the size like of like my my hands cupped together i would say uh, seven by seven inches seven inches around is what you're saying right about now yeah exactly like seven seven inch like diameter and um or circumference rather and uh like you, you just you, you put in um like a handful of like sticks and stuff in there it burns really hot really fast you have to feed it constantly it's great for like boiling a pot of water and then it takes the energy from that and it uh it can like power like charge your phone too so it's like a, a wow. hiking stove really? because that, yeah. Oh my god! So awesome. no, it's kind of a cool thing. Like I said, I've awesome. used it like yeah, camping before because it's great if I don't want to like start a real fire, but I want enough to just like you know boil a pot of water or keep a little bit warm. Like you, you start it up, it, like the air kind of gets sucked in the way it's it's built, and it runs a little fan too, and it just pulls in more air really quick. Burns super hot, super fast. You have to feed it all the time, but like you'll boil a pot of water quick, and it'll keep you warm. That's, and then charge your phone too if you want. That's that's actually really cool. I I I can't believe I haven't heard of something like that. All right, next up, Kevin, in the weird and wild news world, the New York Post is reporting scientists are saying the best way to cook a steak is to microwave it first. Pre-cook it in the microwave. How are you feeling about that? Scientists are wrong, man. Like that, I, I never claim all scientists are going to be right. Don't don't trust the science here. <laughs> Do not trust that. Wrong. That's a weird statement come from you, but you know that. Yeah. Like that's part of the brand. That's funny. Um, here's the reality. Okay, if if you take a steak out and you unthaw it and you leave it on your like, let's say you take it out first thing in the morning and it unthaws by noon and you leave it sitting on your counter and it gets up to room temperature before you start cooking it you actually experience a little better flavor, right? If it's if it's room temperature all the way through, I don't know why it is. It's a little softer. It cooks up a little better. So what this scientist is saying is if you kind of preheat, actually, then he goes into frying your steak like nobody fries a steak that in their right mind. But anyways, if you, if you heat up your steak so that the center of it gets a little bit warmer, it actually cooks faster and it doesn't actually lose anything. He's not... The scientist in this situation getting a bad rap. New York Post is playing a little game with your brain here. No one is going to microwave a steak till it's cooked. He's saying warm it up. Right. So, so, so slight misleading headline. Yeah. Basically like defrost it. Yeah. Click in the microwave. It's fine. So the center isn't like too cold. Yeah. If you pop it out of the fridge and you warm it up a little bit, this makes sense to me because you do like, you do like to cook your steaks at room temperature. Like they do. I'm not kidding. I've cooked for years. Right. I used to manage restaurants. Steaks taste better if you cook them from room temperature versus taking them out of a cold tray. But you don't really want to leave a steak out at room temperature for too long because then it becomes, you know, I don't know, a man. higher risk. I mean, for food if you don't have a dog, you can leave it out for a couple hours. So, I mean, literally, bacteria doesn't. Well, yeah, but like, okay, like, but, but you're in like a, a, a you know, uh, 
a food situation where you're you're you know a professional restaurant or something like you don't want to like leave those steaks out at room temperature there's health safety regulations for better or worse right like true, true, thing. True. right and and like so like to me like i i wouldn't necessarily want to leave like my steak on the counter you, let me tell you no best way to cook steaks by the way like reverse sear if you haven't tried that pretty darn good okay uh so what you do is like you get your your oven temperature down to like as low as you can get it like it has to be below like boiling temp <laughs> those microwave nazis <laughs> um yeah it has to be below boiling temp so like you take like 180 degrees and then you just like let it sit there until like the internal temperature same thing right like the internal temperature of the steak gets to like basically 120 degrees okay right um so same idea, but you're not leaving it on the counter for a while. You're heating it up. You're also kind of drying it out a little bit, yeah. right? So drying out the top a little bit. You flip it part way through. Just you know, stick a thermometer in it. Wait till it gets up to that temperature, and then, you know, if I, I usually I won't do this on the grill. Usually I'll do it like just in a cast iron pan. You know, get that as hot as you can possibly get it. Yeah, I do this, and yeah. then you know, slap it on there for like forty five seconds. Let it go. Flip it over, you know, sears the outside, you know, put a ton of butter on it. Yeah. yeah Honestly, best way to cook a steak. It, only problem is it takes forever, right? Like most of the time during summer, like, man, forget it. I'm just going to throw this on the grill. It's going to be good. Like, but if I want to take my time, this takes like several hours to do. Like this is like a, a like a three hour process sometimes, like from a refrigerated steak, um, you know, but, but doing the reverse sear, uh, so you dry it out a little bit, yeah. get it up to that, like, you know, still below medium rare, like a uh, rare temperature is, is how I end up cooking it. You still, it's still below that temperature and then flash sear it. Great yeah. way to cook steak. Worth a try, folks. It does sound good. It really does. Um, yeah, so there's, there's an Alton Brown recipe. Uh, like, look it up. Look up Alton Brown reverse sear steak. Okay. All right. So look, Kevin, over, over the years, you and I hanging out together. We've talked a lot about the, the a revolution in transportation and, and I want flying cars, but the Magna corporation out of, out of Canada actually has come up with a solution that I found appealing. Um, they, they've come up with something with the, they're calling commuter cars. And I, I don't know if you know about Magna corporation, but like, Unfortunately, I listened to a Jordan Peterson podcast and, and the, the CEO of Magna was on there and he's actually a pretty interesting guy. He's, he's written a, um, an employee bill of rights. His, his employees make as much money as any employees in the world. They, his managers make more money than most managers in the world. They, they're all engaged in a profit sharing system. What, 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 and how it works is they're a tool and die shop basically who's gotten grown into manufacturing, right? So when you can solve problems and make tools and you can find other people to solve problems and make tools, that's a unique skill in our society. So this guy's like, when I find somebody that can do that, I bring them in and I make them part of whatever I can do and however I can do it. But regardless mm -hmm. of that, he has a very interesting idea. And I, I want it to be flying cars. He wants it to be tiny cars. So he's like, you can afford, he, he's coming out with a tiny car, tiny electric car that goes about 30 miles an hour at most for people that live in cities because you can fit, all right, a normal lane of traffic, you've got one car in it, right? In in a lane of traffic for this, this um, these tiny cars, it's 
basically four of his tiny cars for one car. And you think about him going 30 miles an hour and eliminating traffic jams when you would save days of your life, days of your life. Like I hate city driving, but I'm telling you, I the worst thing I hate about it is traffic jams. And if I was going 25 miles an hour instead of being stopped for an hour and a half, I'd be a, a million times happier. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. I mean, well, I mean, it's the thing. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like how bike lanes work, right? Like it's you. Yeah, you can kind of get around a lot of stuff, and now they have like covered electric bikes, and this is kind of just one step beyond that, right? Like, because if yeah. you if you look at the little cars too, like they're they're, they're tiny, they don't go fast, little, little electric cars, one driver, one passenger, like maybe a tiny bit of space. Uh, you now, if you had that, and you could get around a bit quicker in a city environment, uh, yeah, that's a great thing. I, I could work for a lot of people, a lot of people, especially if you don't have like any vehicles at all. Like, this is a, a cheaper alternative now. I'm betting they're going to be illegal. <laughs> um, arguably, this guy's got juice, right? He's got billions of dollars. So they're, they're not necessarily going to fit right into the transportation um, system as we have it right now. But if, if we want to correct certain things and we want to maximize use, efficient use of resources, which I say we, as a libertarian, I'm less concerned about it. But if I lived in a city and I saw this opportunity to correct what, what as a libertarian i see city driving and transportation through and around cities as as exactly the unsustainable thing that makes people go crazy over climate change like i think that like if, if i was to explain it like they're they're looking at their world and saying this is this must be what it's like everywhere and so they extrapolate their misery and and force their misery on everyone else. So, does does that make sense? Am I so going to people hard? are you're saying like urban people panic about climate change because they're stuck in traffic? Yes, and they yes. assume that's, that everyone else is yeah, is stuck in traffic. And this is what the the climate capitalist hellscape looks like. Yes, yep. That's that's what I think they see. They're they're extrapolating their situation onto the rest of the world. When in fact, if we could just fix that part, if they could just get to and from work easier, they would be so much happier <laughs> and less climate alarmist. Yeah, Arguably, maybe. I know that perhaps I'm being short-sighted, but I think it's also kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, you, you do that with like good trains too. Like, it's... I don't know. There's something about autonomous travel that people find important. Um, like, yeah, no, I, I think that's true. Like, again, I, I, I've lived in cities where I've had, um, you know, good access to, to to mass transit right now i don't necessarily need the term like public transit it doesn't need to be government owned but mass transit dc berlin uh and a handful of other places like briefly but uh it, it can be fine like it, it's good enough but like sometimes like i need to go off the beaten path a little bit and it's it's frustrating we're like okay so what am i gonna do am i gonna rent a car am i gonna ride my bike there and what what's the option, right? And so having access to a vehicle can be helpful, but yeah, especially if you don't live in an area where there's really any robust networks beyond like a a, a core city. Like if you're in parts of Europe, like you can get along in trains like pretty well. Like it's not not a big deal. Um, but in the U.S., it's just not a thing. Um, 
Yeah. I'm happy to get along on my bike. I, so I don't experience traffic in Rochester because I, I work less than a mile from my house. Nice. <laughs> so That's pretty cool. Um, but but I think for a lot of people, especially if you have to drive across the city or into a suburb, like something like this could be good. Um, and, and like kind of a, a if if allowed to exist by the federal government, the state government, et cetera, um, could be a good way in an expensive way for people to make short trips of relatively small distance. And if you needed to go somewhere further, you know, that's that's when you do this. Like, because this, this something like this, like and it, it, we'll share the article with the, the cars and something like this. Like, imagine you use these like in the same way that you use like electric bikes. Right. Yeah. Like you just you just rent them like, you know, like I, I was in, in Denver two weeks ago. Man, there were like scooters and bikes all over the place. Like, OK, I could take the take the train to wherever I needed to go and then I'd get out. There'd be a dozen bikes and scooters like right out there. Okay. I need to go another half mile. Cool. Just take a bike and, and go just jump on the bike, put your debit card in a little kiosk. Yeah. Just, and it's an app. Yeah. I don't even have to pull out my card. I just like, okay, Lime app. Okay. There's a bike, scan it. Boom. And I'm off. Right. It, it, it's quick. Um, I know someone's mocking 15 minute cities. Like yeah, whatever, man. Like I don't, I don't like, I don't get mad about the 15 minute city thing. Like it is convenient. Like if you live in a place, like I, I know a lot of folks like living with space. Like I, I don't mind living in the city. I like being close to stuff. I can walk to six different breweries within 10 minutes of my house. Um, and like Rochester's not even like that dense of a city. Yeah. I can, I can walk to work or bike to work if I wanted to. I kind of like being able to do that. I got tons of restaurants and libraries and cafes and, whatever like grocery stores like yeah no. in a good area i like being close i don't have to travel far my gas like i spend basically nothing on gas because i drive a prius and i drive like no kidding like 15 miles like a yeah. week but i that. on the other hand don't like being near any of that stuff and i like to drive everywhere so i mean that's that's kind of the essence of freedom um yeah, that's a libertarian. Like people should like you and I have very different perspectives on this, and we should both be able to live the way that we want to live, uh, as long as like you're not subsidizing my lifestyle and I'm not subsidizing yours. Uh, we can agree. Hey, right. I, I meant to say it during the radio show because he'd been a guest a few times, um, and and he and he's done some amazing things for the Libertarian Party, and he's just an all around good guy. But our friend Brian Larusso, who had a, recently had a little health scare, um, but seems to be recovering nicely actually got himself elected kevin he's he's kind of a ron paul libertarian leans pretty heavy conservative but our front brian larusso got elected to town board up in hartwick new york and uh yeah, wanted to say congratulations to him and hopefully he'll catch this show at some point uh, and he does a lot of really positive work he's a high energy guy if you you've probably seen some of our shows did he ever come on with you and i together I thought he did like one time, like we did a joint show, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, I think I don't remember did. if it was the three of us. I think he did, but I know like he's been on with you several times and I've listened to, in on those. Yeah. He's a, he's a solid egg and congratulations to him. And I, I think he's going to do good things there. Yeah. 100%. And, uh, I'm going to jump back up just because 
John had left a long okay. ago, boxing whole faces. But so, what's your opinion on the governor's initiative to stop hate speech online from becoming hate crimes in the <laughs> state, uh, including the plans $3 million to ensure every college campus has a threat assessment management team on site to identify threats, targeted as offering help for parents to identify if the child is involved in hate speech online, and media literacy tools for all public school students to make them smarter about identifying misinformation online. You should have more information about it than we did. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we were just like BSing the whole time, John. Wow. Come on. Uh, no, uh, but we, we did talk about this both, I think it was last week and yeah. this week, right? Because yeah. we, we had talked about, I mean, just just the, the quick summary, you go back and listen to, to both those longer segments on, but like the, the quick summary on both those things is like, I'm skeptical of the governor's plan to direct more state police resources to monitor social media because I think this is a flimsy excuse to be able to monitor the speech of dissidents uh, and other like people who are a political threat to her. Um, and it's not a new thing to do that. Uh, I'm skeptical that the, the level of threat rises to something that needs $3 million in a dedicated police task force. Um, and same with like the media literacy thing. Again, we talked about it, and I think Tim and I's conclusion on that is media literacy is fine if done right. If it's done where it's an appeal to authority, uh, that stinks and it's going in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it, man. John, you you definitely hit a subject that Kevin and I had talked about tonight. Uh, yeah. And offered some a, a pretty amazing accumulation of details to it because he did cover the three million dollars for for the FBI, um, and then the furthering of of basically we we saw it as a teaching pod like and look that's where I get concerned right like where they're going to bring this unit of who do you go to it's going to be who do you go to when you're wondering about information right like go to your teacher you know. Go to your principal, go to your guidance counselor. And it's like, how about, you know, watch a show by Tim and Kevin. That's probably not going to happen. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, it, no, there's, it's just an, another agent of centralizing power. And arguably, I, I don't want to call it brainwashing, but that's the best word for it. Where we're, we're offering a, yeah. our kids a, a structure that endorses the state as it exists right now. And, and, yeah, and and, and we're and to be fair, we're speculating a bit. Maybe it'll be better than we think, but like maybe it'll turn out given top of libertarians or or you know, look, I'm a big fan of liberals, right? Like that are like, hey, rights are cool, and I love everybody, but like, can we fix some things? I like people who frame things that way, or like, yeah, and liberals who say, yeah, you gotta have guns because the government sucks, right? Like those liberals are cool, like. They're literally cool. I love them. I'm not kidding. Like, we, we have a lot of common ground, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I like pro-liberty liberals, but listen, yeah. I think for now, we're, we're, we're skeptical given Governor Hochul's record of this whole initiative. Yeah. Uh, just uh we've uh we we've seen what her work in the past. Yeah, <laughs> we have. She has a track and, record. Uh, that she's yeah, gonna run right. on again. <laughs> she sure is. Uh so given her administration and the last administration, yeah. I'm not optimistic, but hey, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um all right. On that note, uh it's probably call it a night. All right, brother. Thank you. Thanks everybody yeah. for being here. Thanks, folks. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, happy Thanksgiving.
A free solution 